For the first time in Inter-Miami history, the team has won back-to-back games. For the first time in Inter-Miami history, the team has won a game by more than one goal. For the first time in Inter-Miami history, the team has an MLS All-Star player. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. We're coming to you, or at least I'm coming to you, from Los Angeles, LA, home of the 2021 MLS All-Star Game and festivities. My name is Franco Penizo, half of the co-hosting team of this podcast, the number one podcast on all things Inter-Miami. Joining me from South Florida, lovely South Florida, is Steve El Primo Brenner. Steve, how are you doing? How is South Florida today? South Florida misses you greatly. People are <laughs> sobbing on the streets. They don't know what's happening. Uh, they asked me when the next podcast is. Is it going to happen? So uh, no, but they'll be pleased to know that we're we're back up and running. And um, it's a little cloudy, but it's okay. But the sunshine is continuing to fall on Phil Neville and into Miami right now. Oh, that's a nice little metaphor there. Nice little switch there. I, like I don't know if sunshine did. falls on you though. But anyway, it, it, you know, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't rise on you. So you know, falls on you works. It's covering you. him. It's yeah. covered, he's covered in sunshine. Yeah. That works. That works. So as you know. Inter Miami is coming off a victory from this past weekend. I'm in LA to cover the All Star Game. I'll be back on Thursday ahead of the the Friday match versus Orlando City. So obviously, not sure how this sounds. And I've made a makeshift uh, office in the Airbnb I'm staying in here in Los Angeles. Hopefully, for the listeners, it doesn't sound too bad. But if it does, we apologize in advance. We obviously wanted to give you guys a show this week because. This weekend's game was notable. This upcoming game is also notable. And there's been plenty of other news that's happened in between already. So there's a lot to talk about. So, Steve, let's get to it. Okay, Steve. So Inter-Miami won this past weekend for the first time in franchise history by multiple goals. First game it's ever done that. And they won back-to-back games with a 3-1 victory over Toronto FC at home at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. Florida. Before we even dive into the game, or a little more of the X's and O's and the performances and what happened, like we normally do, we normally start there. I think we have to start with one of, if not the biggest talking point after this match, which was Rodolfo Pizarro and Phil Neville's, I don't know if it's a run-in, but the their, their exchange of words that they had due to Rodolfo Pizarro being substituted about midway through the second half in the 67th minute, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, while he was on a hat trick, he had two goals in the game. I we haven't really spoken about it too much, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I know that there's plenty of Miami Total Football Radio listeners that are also curious to hear what you have to say. I, I mean, it's it's fine. I mean, you know, Phil Neville's the manager. He makes he makes the calls. Of course, I think you ask any player if they want to stay on or go off. They all want to stay on, especially when you've scored two goals, especially when you've suddenly come to form. You feel like you're the main man again after sort of 18 months of purgatory and not really doing a lot um but i've got no qualms with it really i think phil neville will trot out the same old thing that probably most managers would say it's my call but i'm delighted to see his see his reaction he's clearly hungry and then that we will fire him up even more for the for the next game we know that you know behind the scenes they haven't been particularly impressed with pizarro pizarro hasn't been particularly impressed with them there's still a move away in this you know at the end of the season all that's still on, on very much on the table. So, of course, he was going to be upset. But, you know, he, he, he'll he go into Friday's game fresh and full of confidence. Maybe got a bit of 
anger in him, which is good. And that's that, they want to see that. I think you know coaches don't want to see people just oh okay fine you can take me off great. He'd rather see him being upset for sure. Well, I don't know if that exchange is something Phil Neville had in mind when he subbed Rodolfo Pizarro off that he was going. He expected him to get angry or upset or frustrated. I understand if Phil Neville wants to take someone out of the game. That's his call. He's the coach. I don't understand why Rodolfo Pizarro was one of the first substitutions. I, I just don't get the reasoning for that. He's on a hat trick. He's someone that hasn't played a whole lot as of late, so he's got energy to spare. They didn't know about his MLS All-Star participation, I imagine, at, at that point, because they, they actually, Rodolfo Pizarro, with, with a member of Inter-Miami, they landed in Los Angeles around the same time I did, which I, if I'm not mistaken, was 10, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, so local time here in L.A., so... I don't know why Rodolfo Pizarro was the first substitution. If he wanted to sub him out later in the game or just wanted to bring him out, completely understand that. I just don't know why he was one of the first substitutions because he was part, of the, part of the first matter. pair. Of course it's it matters. Irrelevant. Of course it's, it's, not, irrelevant. it's not irrelevant. That's, I mean, that's why Pizarro probably took it as a slight because you're you're on a hat trick. He was still showing energy. He was still showing energy, still trying to get in on the end of things and make things happen. It's not like if he was showing fatigue or not running around anymore, I, I would get the substitution, but... He's still running around. He's moving about. It's obviously a game where he's on a hat trick, and then you and then you take him out as one of the first two subs. I don't I don't understand that. Like third or fourth sub, like okay. What was the What was the final score? It was three to one. Okay, they, they won, right? Sure, but that has, what does that have to do with subbing out? You're, they won. Well, what does that have to do with subbing? Game. What does that have to do with subbing out Pizarro? Two goals. That's it. But what does that have to do with subbing out Pizarro? What? Why not? I mean, it's, it's the coach's coach's call, and he was just save, saving him. He, he did his job. He done his job. Got saving him. He should, he, like, why? Why not save Iguain? Again, Pizarro is someone that hasn't played a whole lot this season. So why why make him one of the first substitutions? Like, what's the reasoning for that? Just wanted to. I think you're looking too deeply into it, mate. Just just like when you were harshly criticised David for shouting at Gonzalo Iguain. I just <laughs> honestly, I. I you know, keep keep the players hungry, keep them keep them keep them interested. Um, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. Of course, he'd be upset if look this way. He'd be upset if Bizarro wasn't happy. That that's, you know, that that's it. He'd be upset if he just took it. Okay, boss, fine. See you later. He wants him to show a bit of anger and a bit of fight. No player wants to come off, but did it for the good of the team, and then you move on. You wait, and we'll see what happens on see what happens on Friday. I mean, look, it's a, it's a every every decision a coach makes is obviously with the intention of bettering the team. I, I imagine there's 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 gambles that coaches take, just like he gambled whether he gets frustrated or not. He could also be gambling that he loses Pizarro, who grows even further frustrated with him because the two. Not only did Pizarro when he came off the bench, and we didn't even mention this, but when Pizarro was, you know, when the sign when the sign comes up and his number's called, you know, he walks very slowly, almost surprised that he was being subbed off, and he he kind of looks at Phil Neville, not sure if he said any words to him. I imagine he did, but from the press box, can't really tell. And he he just walks straight towards the bench. He doesn't even walk by Phil Neville. Doesn't walk next to him. There's no handshake. There's no embrace. Sits down. And I think, I well, I remember Phil Neville turning around at a point, going to the bench maybe to say something, and then he, he turned back around, Phil Neville did, and focused his attention back on the game. After the full-time whistle, Phil Neville looks for Pizarro, puts his arm around him, and the two walk back on the field, and they have an animated exchange in which both of them are gesturing quite a bit with their arms. After the game, Phil Neville said that he was reminding Pizarro that this is a team game, and that you know it's, it's not about any one individual 
So that was the message that he was relaying to Pizarro. But he also said, like you previously mentioned, that he liked, even said loved the reaction from the Mexican yeah, international. But listen, we know that their relationship hasn't been the best. We know that they haven't always seen eye to eye. You have said multiple times on this podcast that you 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 expect Pizarro to, to be gone at some point in the near future. Probably won't be here next season. But again... Given all those things, given everything we just mentioned about their relationship, I could see why Pizarro took it as a slight that he was one of the first substitutes. Hundred percent, absolutely, hundred. But you could understand that. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, when you look back at the history, that's completely understandable. But I don't see anything wrong with the with the decision. To be honest, I think it was fair enough. Keep him, keep him nice and fresh. Keep him hungry, and then you see the best out of him. Give him a start on. On Friday night, and then we'll see. Look, he's 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 playing the best football of his of his Inter Miami career so far. So of course he's going to be upset. But then you should move on to the next game. That's that's. Would he that's take Gonzalo Iguain off in a similar situation? Two goals, three to one game, sixty seventh yeah, minute. Look, he, he he completely axed him from the squad for being unfit. So I don't think you'd have a problem about taking him off. On you a hat trick? Not... I don't know, man. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, we're going. Yeah, you know, I mean, on his birthday. I mean, you know. <laughs> you know, you know no, I, I, look, I, I just, you know, it's game management, it's season management, it's squad management, all those kind of things. Um, I don't see. I haven't got a problem with it at all. All right. Well, again, like I said, just to reiterate, if he had been the third sub, the fourth sub, okay, like you know, your your, your time's been called. You had your yeah. opportunity, but the first and second sub. That to me, obviously, I, I, I understand. Three, they were I, winning three 0 at the time, though, weren't they? Sure, but why not leave him what? on and sub somebody else off? But again, I'll just leave it there. I'll just say that I I wouldn't mind if Pisano subbed out because you're going, you might come out of a game. You know, the coach might want to put somebody else in. But being one of the first two subs when you're on a hat trick and you're feeling good and you're playing well and you're still showing energy, that 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 I could slightly have a criticism for Phil Neville about and that I can I can take I can see Rodolfo Pizarro's reasoning for being frustrated but we'll leave it there we'll leave it there we'll let the listeners decide what side of the coin they're on we will team Pizarro team Pizarro well we know you're not we know you're not team Pizarro we know you're not team Pizarro we know you're uh, <laughs> you're anti anti Pizarro Pizarro Pinata um, <laughs> all right well let's touch on the game the three to one victory for Inter Miami they pretty much Cruise more or less to the finish line. They get off to a three to zero lead before even conceding, and they only concede off a of Kieran Gibbs goal. Rodolfo Pizarro with two finishes: the first off of a nifty cutback in the fifteenth minute, his second in the forty-eighth off of a great lobbed effort over Toronto FC goalkeeper Quentin Westberg. The second goal, which proved to be the game winner, was Robbie Robinson with his left foot. So we'll touch on all of that. This was the lineup quickly before we go into our takeaways. It was Nick Marsman in goal, Lewis Morgan as the right wing back, Leandro Gonzalez Pires as the right center back, Nicolas Figal as the middle of the three center backs, Christian McCoon at left center back, Kieran Gibbs as the left wing back. Your midfield was Gregory and Victor Ulloa, who came in for Blaise Matuidi, and then your front three was Rodolfo Pizarro on the right, Gonzalo Higuain at striker, and Robbie Robinson on the left. Steve, what was your biggest takeaway from this match, Pizarro versus Neville, notwithstanding? <laughs> yeah, no, just a, a rarity, and it was just pretty pretty straightforward. You know, got got ahead early on, and then just sort of kept at it. Some nice goals. Um, never really looked in, in any any trouble, and I think that's just what they needed. There's so many of the games recently have been 
edge of your seat or you're just not sure how it's going to go until right to the last second. So I think just, um, you know, just a calm, sort of comprehensive, straightforward-ish uh, win was exactly, you know, what they needed. Scored some, you know, scored some nice goals. Both Bizarro's goals were, were, were not decent strikes, weren't they? So, um, um, yeah, I, th- I thought they did great. They did do great. It has to be taken into consideration. Of course, it has to be noted that they were playing Toronto FC, the worst team in the league, the team that had given up the most goals even entering the night, even before they gave up three to Inter-Miami. They had fired their head coach earlier in the season. They had given up 41 or 40-plus goals before playing against Inter-Miami. So the team, that the opposition, the level of the opposition was not very good, but Inter-Miami did what it had to do. It did its job, took care of business at home. Three more points and what was an important week. They needed to win both those games to really give themselves a chance. They are now five points off of a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference with a lot of the season still to go, some games in hand. So things are looking pretty, pretty bright for Inter-Miami. I will say that my biggest takeaway was Pizarro's confident performance. Again, have to take it into context against the team that they were playing against, which gave up a lot of chances, a lot of clear-cut chances. Pisato even had two other other opportunities, I believe, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, that he could have put away and he didn't. Inter-Miami found a lot of space, exploited the space, did a good job of all of that, and took, and again, took care of business at home. But for me, Pizarro could be breaking back into the, into the starting lineup with a performance like this because... Obviously, the performance is what is most important, but after the game, he was named to the MLS All-Star Game, chosen by Don Garber or by MLS. He was also named to the MLS Team of the Week, and he was also named the MLS Player of the Week. So quite a bit of plaudits for Rodolfo Pizarro in the, in the last few days. Obviously, he's, he's had a great week. Uh, obviously, with his Mexican sort of background and stuff and Liga MX history. Oh, abs- oh 100%. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I have colleagues here since I've arrived in L.A. And, you know, I've had people ask me, why Rodolfo Pizarro over, you know, someone like Gonzalo Higuain or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Look, he's here for mostly marketing purposes. Sure, you could, you could take into account the sporting side and say, well, you know, he, he's coming off of a good week. Sure. But All-Star Games... You know, especially MLS All-Star Game is done, especially this one, is done for marketing purposes. And both Javier Chicharito Hernandez and Carlos Vela, the two biggest Mexican stars in MLS, are unavailable for this one due to injury. They were supposed to play. They were on the roster. They're not going to be playing in Wednesday night's match because of injury. So that takes away a good bit of that Mexican market ability from the MLS side. So, because MLS are very keen to just briefly, MLS are very keen to to establish a very strong relationship with Liga MX moving forward, aren't they? Sure, and you know, they it's strategic. They want to appeal to maybe Liga MX fans, not only in Mexico but also Liga MX fans in the United States that maybe don't follow MLS, that don't watch MLS, or or you know, keep track of it on a regular basis. There's obviously a very big untapped pool of football fans soccer fans in the united states be it mexican be it it doesn't european be it south american that don't really follow mls and you know they want to tap into at least in this case using this strategy to tap into more of the the mexican the mexican fan base that exists in in this country so actually funny enough quick side note 
had a fan that sat behind me on the flight to LA who was wearing an Inter Miami jersey, uh, the La Palma, the black one with the with the pink with the pink lines, and I thought he was coming to LA to watch the game, the All Star game, but he was actually from LA. He has family in South Florida. He was of Mexican descent. He had his two two sons with him, and he said he had gone to the game against Toronto FC. He showed me pictures and everything. I actually shared the news when we landed about Pizarro being called up, so he was he was pretty happy about that. Um, he's he's now yeah. he's now a Miami Total football follower. He followed the social yes. media accounts and probably will listen to the podcast. So shout out to okay. him if he if he does. Um, but yeah, going going back to Pizarro, I think he's starting to break his way back into the lineup because we've gone on a, on a pretty wide tangent here. Do you think? With his form that he showed as of late, because he also take into account he scored the game winner in the midweek match last week. Is he is he a first choice player again right now, or does he still have something to prove to really get back into the lineup on a consistent basis? I think so. Yeah, I think he is. He's definitely definitely a first choice right right, right now because he's he's performing. You know, in the in the past he hasn't done anything. He's just. He just faded in and out of games, barely, you know, registered a few little touches here and there. But you know, yeah, he's 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 he looks lively. He's scoring goals. Uh, he, he, I think he even smiled the other night before, obviously this terrible bust up with Phil Neville. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, absolutely on form, and that that's all they want. That's all they want from these guys is just for them to just produce the performances that warrants, you know, paying them the the big bucks. So um, yeah, abs- absolutely. And if he's on playing well like he is, he's a great asset. I'm sure he's certainly feeling important right now. Remember, because that's that—that that is the quote that he said after the the stoppage time winner against the Chicago Fire. That he hadn't felt important for much of this season. Surely feels important right now, given everything that's happened to him over the past few days, which again has been very noteworthy. And see that that important thing is also something maybe I didn't mention in the in the discussion about Phil Neville and subbing him out. You're not making him feel all that important when you sub him out. So that that is something to take into into consideration. Steve, before we switch gears to another player who had a good showing and some other noteworthy news that's happened as of late, I wanted to just quickly get your thoughts on the opposition because that's to me that's very important when we're talking about this game because, again, this is the first time in Inter-Miami history that they've won a game by more than one goal. And the winning back-to-back to games is probably symptomatic of just the good run of form that they're in. But Inter-Miami's never won a game by more than one goal. It's always a nervy finish or a stoppage time goal to, to get back into it or, or to pull it out late, or it has been at least up until this point. How much do you put in, into Toronto FC being a bad team? Obviously, Toronto is on a good in a good way, but how much do you put into Toronto FC being uh, not not the biggest challenge for Inter Miami? Well, I mean, yeah, they're on a pretty pretty desperate run, aren't they? Um, you know, Toronto, and, they were, and they were poor, man. They were poor. But then, on but then they played against Chicago. They played against Cincinnati. Um, they, you know, other Montreal. I, mean, I guess Montreal are a bit further up, but they've played against a few of these bottom teams, Red Bulls, and and have, you know struggled. Yes, all right, Toronto are, are quite clearly probably the, one of the worst teams in the league right now. But you now the cliche: you can only beat what's uh, what's put in front of you. Yeah, sure. not the strongest team, but that they're the teams you gotta you gotta deal with. And then when they do beat Nashville or they do beat Montreal or they try try and get a result against Atlanta or DC or Philadelphia or any of the Orlando getting a draw, then. These are these are the sort of building blocks that, that, that they need. You know, this th- those kind of teams should be dispatched like they were dispatched on Saturday night. No, absolutely, absolutely. And again, Inter Miami did what it had to do. 
did so in impressive fashion, so so much so that we heard some oles ring out in the stadium on a couple of occasions towards the end, which I thought was a lot of fun. You know, obviously we haven't been able to hear that from at DriveTank Stadium a lot because Inter Miami is not normally in positions comfortable enough positions where fans can start chanting ole, ole, as, as they string together some passing sequences. Thought it added to the atmosphere incredibly. That was that was pretty cool to see, I think. So, but again, I think, yeah, the, the level of the opposition has to be taken into consideration just so that we don't get carried away. Two more players I want to touch on before we end this segment. One is Robbie Robinson, who has been called up by Chile Chile's national team, something I alluded to as a possibility over the weekend when I wrote about him for Miami Total Football. Chile has called him up for upcoming World Cup qualifiers. This will be his first time playing for or representing Chile on the international level, representing anyone on the international level. So congratulations to Robbie Robinson for that. Now, I I would also say let's congratulate him for scoring a goal with his left foot because that's been a point of criticism that I've brought up here on this podcast and in other points of analysis or other uh, areas where, where I cover the team, he he really refrains from using his left foot. But but in this one, he takes Omar Gonzalez for a lesson in Robbie Robinson's growing arsenal of tricks because he gets the ball in space, is one-on-one with Omar Gonzalez, slows his dribbling run to, to set himself up. It's on the left side, mind you. He fakes like he's going to go into his preferred right foot, which is his dominant foot, which he normally goes to more often than not. Omar Gonzalez clearly is expecting Robbie Robinson to go onto his right foot, cut onto his right foot, but Robinson then fakes fakes that move, goes to the left, puts himself in a left-footed posture to score, and he puts the ball into the back of the net with that left foot. So showing some growth in his development, this is what he said after the game about him using his left foot. I've been practicing that with the left because defenders, I've been cutting in on my right a lot and defenders are really, uh, they're starting to like see that and just force me the other way. So yeah, I just faked the shot with my right. He went for it, hit it with my left. It was a goal. Hearing that from Robbie Robinson and then not only hearing that, but seeing him execute on the field, using that left foot, gaining more confidence in it, cutting onto it. I think that's pretty notable because it just makes his game more well-rounded. It makes him more unpredictable. That gives Inter Miami a more lethal weapon in the attack if he if he gains more confidence in that left foot. So I don't know. What are your thoughts there? I, I haven't really talked to you about this topic for several yeah, weeks now. Yeah, he's, he, 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 I think he's one of the kind of success success stories. I think of this of this season. Just his his progress. He's he's like he's a shadow of the player that he was sort of last year, where you wouldn't have really. Depended on him before he was sort of up to much. Just I always thought he was very raw. Always go back to that first game in LAFC where he just he looked out of his depth. But he's a he's a handful now. I think Phil Neville rates him. I think this this Chile thing. If if he upset accepts, he's not hundred percent going to accept it yet, is he? Is that right? I imagine I imagine he's going. I imagine he's going. I, I think it's also. I mean, you know. Uh, so yeah. on on his Instagram account and his Instagram stories, he has posted over the last few months. I won't say a dozen times, but a few times, a couple times at least, him at the Chilean embassy, him just sitting there waiting for, you know, obviously for, you know, anyone that's gone to an embassy knows that it's a lot of paperwork and a lot of sitting and waiting around. So him sitting in the lobby or wherever, and he's taking pictures of, you know, just the 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 signage or, or whatever is there at the Chilean embassy. If he's, watching, goals, if, watching goals of Alexis Sanchez playing for Arsenal, you know. <laughs> but if he's, if he's at the Chilean embassy, if he's done the legwork, to sure. get the necessary 
passport that he needs to become a dual national to be able to represent Chile, I imagine he's going to accept this call up. I wouldn't I wouldn't see any other reason for him to do all that if he doesn't plan to accept the call up, which again easy game first up Brazil. So I mean Well right, that right. The three games Chile plays in this next round of World Cup qualifying are Brazil, Ecuador and Colombia. So no no easy test there. But Chile is going through a generational change. They are trying to find new players. They they called up Ben Brereton during the Copa America, an English-born striker, but who has Chilean descent. Didn't speak a whole lot of Spanish. It was actually a talking point while he was with uh, you know all the Chilean players in the in the hotels and and going through the the months-long tournament that you know he was trying to get learn some Spanish. They were trying to teach him some Spanish. They were they were you know obviously teasing him a bit and trying to get him to say some words that he didn't understand. So. I'm not sure if Robbie Robinson speaks Spanish. I don't think he does. I'm not sure though. But you know, if I and I imagine that he will accept the call up and they'll integrate him into the group, try to get him familiar, also get a closer look at him and see how he does. But Chile is going through a generational change. They are looking to improve an aging squad, so Robbie Robinson could be part of that. For me, him using his left foot just to just to close out on on his on him again, it, it gives Inter Miami a bigger weapon in the attack because now not only can he go to his right, which is what he has mostly done, you know, almost awkwardly at times, he's kind of always forced things onto that right foot. But now if he's using his left foot a little bit more, because in the second half, he also had a, had a play where he took the defender to the byline and then whipped in a left-footed cross, a good left-footed cross to the back post. Nobody met the ball. Nobody from Inter Miami found the ball, but it just gives Inter Miami more versatility in terms of, how they can attack, he gives Robbie Robinson more versatility and how he can attack players and create chances for himself and for others. So that now that raises his level a good amount and will only be better for Inter Miami and for his career. So good on Robbie Robinson for for continuing to develop. Obviously, he's still a young player, but not everyone develops the or, or goes with and gains the confidence of developing their their weaker foot. Next, next, next player I wanted to quickly touch on was LGP Leandro Gonzalez Pires because he was also named to the team of the week like Rodolfo Pizarro. He got two assists in this game, so his name pops out on the box score a little bit more. He was also really good defensively. I gave him a nine as along with Pizarro in my my post game player ratings. Gonzalez Pires has for a while now been passing very well out of the back, clipping in those long balls into space for players to run onto. This is not the first game that he has helped create opportunities. And this is another weapon, talking about weapons for the attack, this has been another weapon for the Inter-Miami attack that has really shown as of late. If you remember the the game against the Chicago Fire, the goal that Robbie Robinson scores, the equalizer to make it 2-2 in that match, Gonzalo Higuain feeds Robbie Robinson. But it's Leandro Gonzalez Pires who hits that initial pass into space down the right to Gonzalo Higuain. So... Leandro Gonzalez Pires has been doing this. It's been a, if you remember the New York City FC game as well, he was helping create some of those dangerous opportunities. What did you think of his game? What did you think of his performance? And obviously that ability to to pick out a pass and help create some danger in the final third. Yeah, I mean that you know that that's that helps, isn't it? Because if you just got a a, a centre half that you can keep booting the ball forward, it's always it's going to keep coming back. You know, so um, for someone with the ability can just. Ping those balls from you know from from defence and, and set up attacks is is key. His defending has been good. He's he's pretty agile, isn't he? Um, physical gets about. He's not the tallest, but he, he certainly puts himself about. So you know we've touched on it before that uh, you know that there have been a few problems with him behind the scenes. It's quite difficult to 
to deal with. He's, I think he's a demonstrative kind of guy. Um, you know, he's obviously fallen out with coaches in the past. You know, there, he remains one of the sort of bigger earners outside of the DPs that, you know, potentially they could look to move on. He's probably one of the more movable assets, I, I would have thought. Um, but no, no, he's look. He's, differences aside, he's been he's been playing well, and you know they they defended pretty pretty well the other night, and um, he, you know he sort of held it together in a in a sort of defence where you know some they have been creaking a lot. Uh, he, he gives a little bit more reassurance, and certainly in this kind of form. Phil Neville said after the game that Gonzalez Pinas has been playing like a leader, and that they're happy with him, they're pleased with him. He's been very consistent. He also said that his leadership. Has been good behind the scenes. No one asked him about that directly, but Phil Neville dropped that in there. Obviously, we know that's what's said in front of cameras, not necessarily 100% the truth. So I, I believe you that there has been probably some unhappiness at some point this season, but right now he's playing well. And at the end of the day, or at least when it comes to this season, given the situation they're in, they're not moving any more players. I think that they'll take what they're getting from him because he's he's playing pretty well, again, on both sides of the ball, not only defensively holding down his spot and doing well with his marks and coverage, but he's also adding something to the attack with his passes. Even the pass that he sets, he hits to Robbie Robinson for the for that goal this weekend against Toronto FC, he does so with an outside-the-foot pass, tres dedos, as they say in Spanish, and finds him streaking into space, a, a perfectly weighted pass, so... Gonzalez Pires is playing really, really well as of late. And that's something, you know, we've touched on a different a bunch of different players that have been playing well. Makun, Gonzalez Pires, Ulloa. More players are playing better. And obviously, it's a result of not only them raising their level, but the team raising its level. When the team plays better, so do all almost all the players. Because when I went back and looked at this game, not nobody really had a bad game for Inter Miami. I think the lowest grade I gave was to Kieran Gibbs, five and a half. And that's pretty much because he scored an own goal. So... Besides that, that, that nobody had a bad game. But again, they were playing Toronto FC. Let's leave it there, Steve. We have the Sunshine Classico, El Clasico del Sol to preview. I know you're not happy about MLS's not scheduling again. there, we're but <laughs> but we'll, we will we will touch on that as well as do the Q and A session. But we'll do so after this. Well, he, he wanted he wanted the match ball. He wanted to score goals. He's obviously been through uh, an awful lot and felt he probably felt that it was a game where he. Uh, but he could have got more chances in the game to score. And and, and, and what we said to him was, it's a team game. Uh, Indiana didn't probably deserve to be left out. Probably uh, Blaise Matuidi didn't deserve to be left out. But it's a team game. We're, we're showing the depth of our squad. And and uh, I actually really loved his reaction in terms of the anger to come off because we've seen many times this season when he's been disappointed coming off, where he's been disappointed in himself. Now he's now he's got that hunger and desire to want to stay on the pitch and, and score goals. He's got his confidence back. You know, three goals in two games tells me he's just he's just getting better and better. So I I I, I liked his reaction of anger to come off. Uh, and that's what we were talking about at the end. And uh, you know, he's in the dressing room there. He's put the music on, and uh, he, he's one hundred percent behind everyone. And it was just, uh, it was just a reminder to everybody that it's a team game. This into Miami aren't going to win with one player on the field. We're going to win because we tried that at the start of the season. We tried it when players were doing their own thing, playing individually. Now, because we're playing as a team, as a squad, we're beginning to win games of football, and and, and that's what I reminded him of. Okay, Steve, so Inter-Miami travels this Friday to Central Florida to take on Orlando City in-state rival 
Orlando City at Exploria Stadium in the latest edition of what I call the Sunshine Clásico, El Clásico del Sol. No, you're not happy about the scheduling because they just played a few weeks ago and they did so in Orlando, a one-to-one draw there for Inter-Miami. Orlando City's in second place in the Eastern Conference. They are coming off a, a victory, a 1-0 victory over the Chicago Fire. They have not lost in league play since a 5-0 drubbing on July 25th at the hands of New York City FC. Not sure about Nani's status. He's not playing in the All-Star game. Not sure if he'll make it for Friday. Regardless, what do you expect from this one? What do you expect from Orlando City on Friday night? More of the same, I think, than, than the game on the, the 4th, of, uh, 4th of August. I mean, if you look at their last four four games, three one alls and a 1-0 win. So not scoring a lot, not really letting in too many either, but are conceding. So I think, um, if anything, the, the, their, their attack is kind of faltering a bit. Um, so I think it's going to be... It's going to be tight. It's a derby, you know. Um, you know they're always kind of tight, tight matches, and certainly the one, the one all was 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 exactly like that, wasn't it? So um, I expect to expect more of the same. But it's it, you know they they're they're doing well. But then, like like you say, after from that five nil defeat in YCFC, they've only won two of the next five. So um, yeah, they're not in amazing form, even though they did most of their good work. I think a bit a little bit earlier in the earlier in the season. But um, yeah, I, I don't think. Inter Miami will go there um, worried about anything really. They're, they're they're full of confidence, and after winning two games on the spin, it's it's not exactly a free hit, but you know they they've done their their part of it. They had to win those home games, and now this one they can, you know, they go there with confidence. Do you think they play for the win, or do you think that they'll absolutely? Do you think they'll be a little more reactive? No, because there's playing for the win in like you can say, all right, we're going to play for the win by being defensive minded, but in the terms of playing for the win, I mean, do you think Inter Miami is going to try to come out and have the ball and dictate the tempo, or do you think they'll take up? more of a defensive posture and try to hit on the counter. No, I think, you know, they're, they're, they're confident. And I think confidence is, is, is everything. Another cliche. Um, <laughs> um, and I think if think it helps, if you're going there and you're off the back of four or five bad results, then, you know, that, that just breeds a sort of um, negativity with it within the, within the team. But I think, um, no, I think they go there full of confidence. Why not? And I think then that will give them, more reason to to be on, be on the front foot and and have a go and if they can if they can get an early goal or get get their noses ahead then I think um, you know they'll they'll be confident that they can keep out an attack that like I say have, have scored four goals in the last four games so um, yeah um, no I, I think I think yeah I think they'll go on the front foot and they and they go there and they'll be positive uh, why not so for me this will be a very interesting game an interesting another interesting benchmark to see where Inter Miami stands because. Inter Miami clearly has improved as of late, and they've gotten to the point where they can beat teams in the bottom part of the Eastern Conference and compete with teams in the top part of the Eastern Conference, but they haven't shown an ability to consistently beat the teams further up the standings. Not yet, anyway. They beat Nashville SC 2-1 with a very late goal, but besides that, they haven't beaten anyone that's really at near the top of the of the east. So it'll be curious to see how they come out to, in this one, how Phil Neville approaches a game where Orlando City can't hurt you in a lot of ways, especially if Nani is on the field. Orlando City will be at home. Orlando City will be expected to set the tempo, dictate the run of play. So I imagine we'll see maybe a little bit more defensive-minded Inter-Miami looking maybe a little bit more on the counterattack, 
Obviously, I don't think they'll venture away from this 5-2-3 formation that we've seen from them for much of the last few weeks. So curious to see how Inter Miami does, though, in that shape against a, a very good opponent and obviously the in-state rival. Steve, what's the key to the game for Inter Miami? What do you think they need to do to win? Also of note, Rodolfo Pizarro is expected to be back and available for this one, though his midweek participation and traveling could, could, there's not information that we've heard, but, you know, supposition here from, from me, could impact or could influence whether he's available from the start. Because if he plays Wednesday, let's say 45 minutes, 30, 45 minutes, which is standard in MLS All-Star game for most players, and then he has to travel from LA back to Florida on Thursday, doesn't get any training sessions with the team, maybe he doesn't start in this one. But that's just, just what I would I would guess. But anyway, what's the key to the game for you for Inter Miami? Yeah, not not ideal preparation for our new star man. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a solid base, isn't it? I think that's the whole the whole thing. They've got to try and just work work from the back, be be solid. Don't let any silly goals. Um, you know, it's all common sense stuff, really. Set plays, defending set plays better. They're gonna be tested more than they were on on Saturday night for sure. Um, but I just think you know they've got a few goals in in them now, um, mm-hmm. and they they look more they look more potent going forward how about that so you think the key to the game is being tight defensively i think so, yeah because everything starts everything starts with that yeah. if they keep it tight defensively they know now that they've they've got goals other than in them other than um you know gonzalo green yeah. there's pizarro there's robbie robinson all the all these guys Kieran you know, Gibbs can... scored last game so yeah they've been getting <laughs> they've been getting goals from different from different areas which is something phil neville had been talking about uh, yeah, recently he, he wanted to, he wanted to see other players chip in i agree with you the key to the game for me in this one for inter miami to have a chance to win to even get a result because even a result here is is a good result for inter miami getting a draw is being tight at the back being defensively sound trying to keep that zero because this is a pretty mind-blowing stat maybe doesn't catch anyone by surprise but it's still just pretty mind-blowing when you hear it inter miami has only recorded one clean sheet this season and that was back in week three against nashville sc the zero zero pretty dull affair up in Nashville, Tennessee. So Inter Miami has not been that all that good defensively. It's why I asked Phil Neville after this most recent game against Toronto if it mattered that if it mattered to him that Inter Miami wasn't able to to keep that zero at the back due to an own goal. He said it didn't matter, but I think I mean I would imagine it does matter. You know, not not only for the coaching staff but for the players, the, the defenders. They probably want to keep a zero at the back by now just for confidence. You know, just like. Goal scorers want to score goals to raise their confidence. Defenders want to keep a zero at the back just to say, look, all right, we we, we put in the work. We, we're able to do it. So not only for confidence sake, but I think because of the matchup and the, the setting in Orlando against a very good team, I think keeping it tight at the back is important, especially on defensive set pieces because, again, Inter-Miami scored an own goal in this one against Toronto FC. That's now the fourth time in, I believe, five matches that Inter-Miami has conceded off of a set piece. So need to be better there. Something Phil Neville had mentioned in the lead-up to the Toronto FC game that he and his coaching staff after the Chicago Fire match, they thought about that for a while, how they had conceded again on a set piece. So definitely, definitely think that that's the key to the game. Steve, what changes could we see to the lineup? Like we said before, we don't think Pizarro will probably start due to the the preparation, the week's worth of preparation being pretty pretty different for him with traveling in a midweek all-star game so what do you think who replaces him in the lineup is it straight up like for like well not like for like but straight up is it will it be indiana vasilev on the right wing yet again after 
after he went to the bench in, in this one against Toronto FC, or do you see somebody else going up up top or out there on the wings, rather? Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I mean Vasilev uh, is a is a good option now, isn't he? Uh, Iguain, Federico Iguain's experience that that could help. So he's got a he's got a couple of options there. You know, we're talking about you know he, he can field some different different formations now and, and different lineups, which I think is is key because um, you know players different players are sort of st- are finally stepping up and putting their hand up and saying you know I can. I could do something. So um, maybe, maybe for um, I, I like I like Vasilev. I think he's good. He's energetic. Um, he's lively. Kind of makes things happen. He, he's, he runs the defenses. Um, so that's an option. Or then, or Federico Iguain just to um, you know keep the keep keep things moving along. Um, you know, and, and just keep the tempo tempo going. Maybe maybe that that's an option. But both both I'd, I'd be happy with either to be honest. But I think Vasilev probably just gets the star just for his energy. Yeah, I don't think Federico Iguain comes into this one. Actually, Federico Iguain hasn't really played much as of late. So I think it'll be Indiana Vasilev who started last week's game, the midweek game against the Chicago Fire, and scored a goal. Didn't have the greatest performance. He only had 15 touches, which was pretty low. The lowest on the team for Inter-Miami, at least in terms of the starting lineup. So I do think he'll come back into the lineup for Pizarro. The other question, the other real question mark in this one is... Do we see Blaise Matuidi or do we see Victor Ulloa next to Gregory in that midfield line? What do you think? Who do you think Phil Neville goes with and who would you go with? Um, again, yeah. Victor Ulloa yeah. started in the in the game against Toronto FC. Did a, did a pretty good job. So Yeah, Matuidi didn't start, did he? So I'd, I'd probably just go with, with him again. Just big game experience. I mean, Ulloa's been around at the block as well, hasn't he? But uh, I'd probably go in Matuidi, wouldn't you? So you would go in Matuidi. Do you think that's what Phil does, Phil Neville does? I mean, I'm not Phil Neville, so no, I, I don't I mean, know. But um, right, but do you think yeah, he goes? We're predicting. Do you think he goes? I think he'll like he'll like just using a bit of that big game, big game experience. I think he would. Uh, he'll probably go in between. I would think. Yeah. I'm saying that I've got absolutely no idea what he's going to do. By the way, so um, I would go Victor Ulloa because he's the safer of the two picks. Like you, you know, Matuidi, if he's on his game, can be a bigger influencer than Victor Ulloa. But you also know that Blaise Matuidi hasn't necessarily always played to that level, that he can have dips in performance levels. So it's a gamble. Either if you if you go with Matuidi, the payoff might be higher, but the risk is greater. So I would personally go with Uyoa in this one. I think Phil Neville will go with Blaise Matuidi because of his experience, because of Orlando City's midfield is, is his strong point or is one of his strong points. So I imagine Blaise Matuidi will get the nod and Phil Neville will be hoping that he sees the... Blaise Matuidi that we saw against Nashville SC, where he was influential on both sides of the park. So that's my predicted lineup right there. The same lineup we mentioned earlier, the one that we talked about for the game against Toronto FC, with the two changes being Indiana Vasilev for Rodolfo Pizarro and Blaise Matuidi coming back in for Victor Ulloa. Those are my predictions for this weekend's, or sorry, this Friday's lineup. Exact same team minus those two changes. Those will be the only two changes I, I think we will see. Steve, quickly, what is your prediction for this Friday's result? Does Inter Miami get three points, one or zero? I'm gonna I'm gonna go for two one Inter Miami win. So they pull out their first victory in Orlando. These are heady times. These are heady heady times. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I can see a very open game, but I could also see Inter Miami pulling it out with. At long last, a very good defensive performance that leads to a clean sheet. And they get a goal there on the other end to pull off a very 
big upset, a surprising result, and their first win in Orlando. So I will say 1-0 Inter Miami, and they continue their good run of form and inch closer to the playoff spot. Steve, let's leave it there. We have our Q&A session, so we'll take a quick break, and we'll tackle that after this. Primo, it's Q&A time. We've got a few questions, as you can imagine, so let's get to them. We know the drill. First one comes from Dose Nose. Congrats to Robbie Robinson on being called up by Chile. Does that mean he even speaks Spanish? Keep up the good work. So okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if Robbie Robinson speaks Spanish. I don't think he does. If he does, I'm pretty sure it's limited, but we'll work to get you more more concrete answer. Steve, I don't know if you have anything you want to add there. No comprending. <laughs> All right. Next question from Don Cafecito, also about Robbie Robinson and Chile. Do you like Robbie Robinson less now that he plays for Chile and is sipping on real Pisco Sours drink drink emoji? So that's a, a little dig at me since I'm of Peruvian descent and Peru and Chile are historical rivals not only on the soccer field, just in terms of in general. And they both claim that they invented Pisco Sours or Pisco, and it's a whole thing. Do I like Robbie Robinson less now? No, I don't like Robbie Robinson less now, but it's good for him, good for his career, good for Inter-Miami that they, that Robbie Robinson could be an international player that raises his stock and, and his value on, on the team and in the club. Although, although we have to note that, that if he does get called up, he'll miss games for Inter-Miami most likely, and he's been a very important attacking weapon for them. When he's not been around and he's not been able to provide that speed, it's been notable. The attack has has suffered or regressed a, a good bit, so keep an eye out on that. And as for the sipping on real Pisco Sauros, el pico peruano, amigo. El pico es peruano. Next question comes from Gabe P., a lot of drafted players are shining in this All-Star game, but with 20% only staying active in the MLS after year three. How can you guarantee a good draft selection? Is picking early the key? Is the value for money worth spending on top draft picks or would be better used elsewhere? So, Steve, you want to start there? I mean, it just it depends how the players develop, really, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's an alien system for me to, you know, I mean, get trying to get why, my head around it. That's why I gave it to you. <laughs> well, yeah. But I mean, you know, it, you know, in Europe, you know, you're picking players that have been ensconced within a club for years, like 12, 13 years old. They're already at Arsenal or Liverpool or Man United. Whereas, you know, like using Robbie Robinson as an example, they pulled him straight out from Clemson. I mean, going from US college soccer to MLS, that there was a big step up there. So it just depends how the players develop. And I think that's probably the, you know, what Don Garber wants to see, isn't it? He wants to see these young guys produced uh, and developed in, in, in the correct way and become sort of, you know, uh, big, big players and sellable assets at, at some point. Um, it's, 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 it's difficult, don't you think? Well, so to answer Gabe P's question, you know, how do you guarantee a good draft selection? You can never guarantee a good draft selection. Like it's, a, it's, it's another gamble that you take. You're betting on on a player to develop into the future 
to being, you know, whether you think he'll be a long-term starter or just a role player, whatever it is that you think of the player that you, that you drafted at the given time. Now, how do you get a good draft selection? Well, you have to do your homework, obviously have a good scouting network that scouts the college games. You have people in the, in that network that will give you good info that, that you trust, not only that you trust, but that will, that, you know, can have an eye for talent. Then the player, you have to take into the player into account, excuse me, the player's personality, his ambitions, you know, what does he want to do? How hungry is he to improve? It's, it's a lot of things. So it's, a, it's about giving yourself the best opportunity to make sure you make a good decision. Giving yourself the, the most information to say, all right, this player can not only succeed on the field, but maybe off the field as well. But you, even then, you could still miss because the player, once he gets the professional game, could, you know, lose his motivation. You could see that happen, or he the the level up, you know, more physical, faster decisions need to be taken quicker. That can impact him. It, there's a lot of things that go into it. There's no guarantee you can ever hit a hundred percent. You have to just try to give yourself as much information as possible to to raise your chances of getting as close to a hundred percent as possible in terms of picking somebody. But you'll never you'll never really get there. Next question comes from comes from South Parking Lot. He just has a devil emoji as his face. And this is a great question. Watching Pizarro's chip from section 113 was unreal. My question is, how did that boy Brenner react? Laughing emoji times three. <laughs> uh, I was the, the, the listeners are having digs at us. Huh? The Pisco Sour, now you with the with the Pizarro. Although this is, this is deserved. This is probably deserved. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Like, you start crying when he scored. I mean, no, no. Please for him, of course. Is that excellent? When he when he plays properly and produces stuff that he should be doing as a, a DP and one of the highest earners, that's awesome. He just if he'd been doing that consistently throughout his whole into Miami career, then it wouldn't be an issue. But he hasn't. You know, we talk about one game. You're you're saying they're the worst team in MLS, and we're going crazy about him. You know, playing fantastically well, which he has done, and he has done for the last two or three weeks. To be fair, um, no, all all good, all good. I'm I'm pleased for him, and, and I think the the team need as many of their alleged big stars to, to really step up. So it's good to see. No negativity here, mate. <laughs> Next question comes from Endo. Again, after the game versus Toronto, the players still, all in caps, only thank La Familia does the rest of the stadium not exist. We all paid money to come watch our team, in caps, play, and for them to thank only one, in caps, section is complete BS. I need you to bring this up to Phil. So like we said, Endo, you know, the fact that you're bringing it up we said this to you on the last pod. The fact that you're bringing it up is obviously helps put a shine a light on it. Obviously, maybe that's something Inter Miami does need to to correct. Obviously, La Familia is the the part of the stadium that Inter Miami talks about the most, with good reason because they are the ones that bring a lot of the atmosphere and the energy. That's not to say that there's not any of that in any of the other three sections, but. It's clear to see when you're at the stadium that, that La Familia in the North Stand is the one that provides the most. So that doesn't mean that Inter Miami shouldn't uh, acknowledge the four stands. I agree with you there. So maybe you know maybe it's something that Inter Miami does have to change, uh, or it is something Inter Miami has to change. Yeah, I, 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 I can't speak for the players, but I'm, I 100% know they would or think that they would certainly appreciate the support they get. Um, from supporters who have seen their fair share of pretty bad displays and you know negativity and whatever, so um, no, I, yeah, it, 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 it's not a great look, but I, I don't think it's not. I don't. They maybe don't even realise they're doing it or something. I don't. I don't know. I don't think there's any slight on the fans. Put it that way. I know that they appreciate it, all of you guys for sure. 
Three more questions, Steve. Next one from Elder Bar. Your thoughts on why Phil subbed out Pizarro versus Toronto FC? Phil's response was whack. Seems he's trying to kill the dude's spotlight. Considering World Cup qualifiers think we will make the playoffs barely or in a good position. Schedule seems really easy, by the way, except New England till the end. So, Steve, anything you want to add there? We did touch on Pizarro and Neville at length, but anything you want to add there? Because Elder Bar thinks Phil's response was whack. Nah, I'd had, nah, I'm not going back. I'm not, not going down that road again. It's a well-trodden road. He can do... It's, I thought he was absolutely fair enough. But in terms of the playoffs, um, it's looking hell of a lot brighter now. Only five points off DC United. And also, with actually two games in hand on DC and Montreal. Montreal point ahead, so they're six points ahead. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, it's all about wins, isn't it? A couple of wins, and they, they are right up in, the, in this table when, you know, at 14, if you can't finish in the top seven you're struggling really aren't you so um yeah it's looking it's looking much much brighter with we still a lot of points to play for the mid-season pod that we did i said i didn't think intermediate was going to make the playoffs and that was a little bit over a week ago the other day after the win against Toronto fc i started looking at the rest of the schedule again and started doing the math sacando la calculadora taking out the calculator and i was like intermediate might be able to do this actually they might be able to because the like like elder bar mentions here the rest of the schedule by and large is pretty favorable for inter miami now they play the columbus crew twice they play new england revolution and new york city fc i believe if i'm not mistaken thinking off the top of my head they play them both in the final two weeks of the season so for inter miami's sake those are two top teams in the east you probably don't want to be facing them with your playoff lives on the line you want to hope that you're at least already high enough that those those results won't make or break you but it's looking it's looking pretty good for inter miami i'm not i'm not going to to sit here and say that it's not because it is looking good for inter miami based on how they're playing based on the opposition on the schedule the playoffs are now a a a real real possibility but obviously the team has to stay focused on on the task at hand stay grounded and take each match as it comes, that that is a cliche, but but you know if they start thinking too far ahead of themselves, then then they could get themselves into trouble. As for the Phil versus Pizarro incident or exchange, I agree with you, Elderbar. I think, like I said earlier, Pizarro should have been left in a little bit longer and not been one of the first first two subs. Next question comes from Lucho Lalo. Franco, feeling good on these two wins. Only thing that kills it is Don Garber selecting Pizarro and LGP for the All-Star festivities. We could have gone ham on Orlando, and with the Joker on fire, that could be an away win in Orlando. WTF, no Galese and no Nani, what gives? And then he he follows up with, can Garber grow up already and get rid of this All-Star game altogether? Waste of time, in my opinion, trying to be like other sports here in the States. So LGP did not make the All-Star game. LGP just quickly made the team of the week. He did not make the All-Star game. Only Pizarro did. So, just to clarify that before we confuse anybody. As for, you know, I'm not a big fan of the All-Star game. I'm here. I'm here in LA. I love LA. But I'm not a huge fan of the All-Star game, especially in the middle of the season. It's done just for marketing purposes by and large. It takes away players from the from their season, like we said with Pizarro. It, it impacts their availability for their next league games on occasion. Some star players don't even end up coming because of injuries. So I agree that I'm not a huge fan of the All Star Game, but you know that's 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 just how MLS has has operated for a long time and will probably continue to do so. 
I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, maybe they should look at the scheduling. I don't, I don't think it's right that they they have it on a Wednesday and then there's games on a, on a Friday night when, I mean, in Pizarro's case, I mean, I don't think I don't think that's right. I think do it at the beginning of the season, do it at the end of the season. But you can't do an all-star um, game at the beginning of the season, right? Because you, uh, you, right, you, you won't know who's the all-star. Well, you could do it for the all-stars for the previous season, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a very American thing. I, mean, I covered the NBA all-star when I was in New York. And that's the first time I'd ever been there. And I was really shocked at how it would literally was a training game. It was like 5,000 plays, like 4,028. It was just um, points everywhere, just back and forward. But the, 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 the pre-build-up stuff was great and the skills challenges. And just I, I did MLS, I think, last year in, in Orlando or the year before. Um, yeah, the year before that. And um, yeah, and it's a good good networking, good, good chance yeah. to see people, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But yeah, I, I, and if anything, they should have just pushed the Miami game just just back a bit. I, I don't I don't think that's fair. To be fair, to be fair, I don't think it's fair. Well, we know you're not happy with the scheduling of playing Orlando in general yet again, and now doing so so shortly. Just another after nail in the Orlando coffin. <laughs> so so actually, Steve, I I missed out on Lucho Lalo's third tweet because there was a third tweet, and he said, "I'm sure Steve El Primo agrees with me." LOL. So yes. true to form, Steve El Primo does agree with you, uh, Lucho Lalo. I will say this, because it's something you just touched on that I wanted to touch on, that I don't know if the average fan knows. A lot of what happens at All-Star as well is networking, but it's also a chance for league executives, club executives to get together and have conversations and dialogue and you know be able to see each other a little bit closer face to face sometimes trades get made or you know the seeds get planted for trades at these type of events there's also a lot of mls meetings etc 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 so it's a it's uh it's also done with that in mind right that everyone from the around the league gets together and is able to to interact and talk and see each other face to face it's like a big convention almost right like if you were talking about a business there's conventions throughout the year so people can come in and, and talk and network and everything that's what MLS All-Star is as well for the executives around the league. So also something to, to take into consideration for why this game is also held. Next question comes from Frank J. Fort, or Forte. What do you make of Pizarro's improved play? Small sample size, but is he being used differently, or has he figured out one actually has to try to succeed in MLS? Any other factors? Well, you mentioned it before that he's actually said that he's, he's happy. You said that? Well, he said right that he feels he feels important. Well, he didn't feel important before, so the assumption is that he feels important, more important now. He was also struggling with some personal things that he, he missed having his family around. So um, it seems like the the Gold Cup call up, as Phil Neville had mentioned in a previous press conference, definitely boosted Pizarro's confidence and has helped him rediscover some of that magic. But you know, if if you're asking me. Frank, I will say that the sample size is too small because he did play well against Toronto FC and he scored two goals and he looked a confident player. But again, it's Toronto FC. I think he will have confidence. Again, this these last few days, he's been named to all different types of things, won a bunch of different accolades and awards. So that, that's going to help his confidence. But even if you start from the beginning here with this recent little surge from him, it was against... The Chicago Fire, and I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm just saying it was against the Chicago Fire in which he scored a stoppage time goal, well-taken finish, but that game he didn't perform incredibly. And no Phil Neville after the game said that, you know, he thought Pizarro won the game with both his on-the-ball efforts as well as off-the-ball, but 
when I rewatched it back, he just had the game-winning decisive goal. If he hadn't scored that goal, we wouldn't be saying, oh, Pizarro had a good game against the Chicago Fire. It was because of the goal in stoppage time at the very end that he had a huge impact. But other than that, it wasn't like he influenced that game all that much or was that sharp or that good. So, But he scored, and that was important because it raised his confidence. Then he goes against Toronto FC, feeling better, scores two goals, raises his confidence further. Now he's involved in the All-Star game. That'll help even more so. And imagine if he scores on Wednesday, you know, it'll, it'll go through the roof. Steve Brenner's head might explode from oh, overload. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Steve, anything you wanted to add there? No, I mean, just, yeah, I just, it, it is a cliche and we've mentioned it before, but it's just confidence. I think if the team are playing well and everything is relatively settled now, you know, behind the scenes, of course, it's, it's Phil Neville still fighting a lot of fires, but you know, they, they seem to be sort of a bit more together than they have been in the past, certainly under your old amigo, Diego Alonso. Um, so, yeah, it, it helps him. Um, it, it definitely helps him. Like you say, we, we don't know all the personal stuff that he was going through, just like we were unaware about the stuff with Gonzalo Higuain and his his partner and the, his baby not being with him. So you just sometimes you don't get the, the full picture. And, it's you know, I think that's why it's frustrating sometimes for players because... You know, they they have to face criticism from people like me and you or on social media when they must sit there sometimes thinking, if, if only you really knew the truth of what is going down, then maybe you would have a bit more of an understanding. So um, that little glimpse he's given us into his personal life can maybe answer a few questions. Okay, well, that does it for the Q&A session. Steve, give us your final thoughts. I'll give mine and we'll wrap up the show after that. Yeah, all positive. I think they're um, on a good run. They're riding a kind of a crest of a wave. Um, I think this after those relatively straightforward. Well, the first one wasn't first one was straightforward, but second the second one was against uh, Toronto. I think um, they go into into a tough game against one of the t- best teams in the east in the east um, with with nothing nothing to lose and not like I said, not exactly a free hit, but they've done the hard work in getting those two home wins. So this is um, they can go there and have a real go with them. My final thought will be on David Beckham, who, for the superstitious out there, here's a stat for you. Since his return to Miami and since he dyed his hair blonde, Inter-Miami has gone 4-0-2 in games that he's attended live and in person. And that's not just home games because he attended a match against Orlando City, the last match against Orlando City, up in Central Florida, and Inter-Miami got a draw in that one. So... Make of that what you will, but Inter Miami has not lost when he's been in attendance. The game that they did lose was the one, the only one since his return that he was not present for, and that was that 2-0 defeat to New York City FC in Harrison, New Jersey at Red Bull Arena. So I don't know if David Beckham's plans for this Friday are to go back to Orlando again, but I imagine Phil Neville is probably nudging his old friend and boss to tag along on the bus ride or the plane ride and say, hey, come with us because, uh, you know, we could use that presence. Which, by the way, he also, after the game, kicked the ball around with uh, with his son Romeo after the Toronto FC win. They, they, they kicked about on the field quite a bit. David Beckham, full suit with a tie, dress shoes, and he was still able to juggle and show off a very neat touch. I actually took a video of it and posted it onto YouTube and Twitter. ESPN FC actually picked it up, and it's gone pretty viral there. I'm still getting notifications as we speak on my Twitter handle. So if you want to see David Beckham and showing that elegant, clean touch with that right foot... What a it's, player. It's, Never it's, loses it. <laughs> yeah, the cla- like they say in Spanish, um, you know, you can lose... I forget what the saying is, but it's essentially that you know you never lose the class or the quality or the quality. The quality is yeah, the quality is always there. For my weekly class of '92 update, 
if uh, anyone wants to delve into the Beckham archive of fantastic goals, just Google the free kick he scored against Greece in 2001 to cement England's place at the World Cup the following year. Um, yeah, just watch that. Oh, I, I remember the saying, and I don't even think it's, it's necessarily a Spanish one. It's form is temporary, class is permanent. So exactly. that's that that fits for what we saw from David Beckham this past weekend. Steve, that does it for this week's pod. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Like I said before, I hope it sounds up to standard because I'm in a makeshift office in the bedroom I'm in at the Airbnb here in Los Angeles. We'll be back early next week to review the game against Orlando City, the Sunshine Clásico, El Clásico del Sol. We'll also probably touch on the All-Star game and the performance Rodolfo Pizarro put forth, even though we know Steve Brenner is not a big fan of the All-Star game, and neither am I. But that does it for this week's show. Please give us a follow on all our social media channels as well. For Steve Brenner, I am Franco Penizo. This is Miami Total Football Radio. We'll talk to you guys again next week.